Hi, welcome to the first episode of Cuentos, a podcast dedicated to conversations on being Filipino. My name is Felisa. And my name is Daphne. In this episode, we'll be talking about mental health and well-being in the Filipino culture. As a disclaimer, please note that we are not mental health experts. We're only here to share our own personal experiences. In the Filipino culture, mental health illnesses are not often discussed, and it's something that a lot of younger Filipinos, and here we're using Filipino interchangeably with Filipina, with Filipinex, a lot of younger Filipinos are frustrated by, and rightly so. But I do understand that it's all related to our culture, as well as the life that our parents lived. So first things first, Filipinos have a very collectivist culture, which oftentimes makes it hard for us to be open about our mental state with our families. It can be one of two things. Either the person's going through something, doesn't want to bring shame to their family, and you know, Filipinos are sometimes image-driven. Or maybe the person doesn't want their family to think that they failed as a support system. That's really interesting, and I think we fail to acknowledge sometimes that culture plays such a big role in mental health. For a lot of younger generation Filipinos, they grew up in a Western country, or they grew up with a lot of Western influences where mental health is less of a taboo topic. I mean, it still is, but compared to other Asian cultures, there is definitely more acceptance, I'd say. Yeah, and I think a lot of it is also because of technology and social media that's allowed the younger generation to find a space where people are more open, which removes the stigma they grew up with. Mm-hmm. And I guess another thing to remember is that for a lot of older Filipino-Americans, Filipino-Canadians, or Filipinos in general, life was really hard and they didn't have enough time or mental space to worry about anything other than surviving. So this is not to invalidate our generation's struggles. I think it's just important to remember where the perspective of our parents come from. Mm -hmm. They didn't have resources to tackle their own mental health struggles. And basically, they just had to get over it. And sometimes I feel like this is why they invalidate our experiences by saying things like, oh, you'll get over it or just pray, which is a topic we'll dive more into later. Mm -hmm. Religion is definitely a big part of Filipino culture. So... In some ways, mental health is kind of a privilege, don't you think? Because when you're too busy going on your day-to-day lives, trying to make money for rent, plus if if you've never had the resources to learn about the existence of mental health, it's a very difficult thing to confront. Oh yeah, for sure. Having resources itself is such a privilege. Like, I don't even know the amount of resources they currently have in the Philippines. And even if there are any, there's probably a lack of accessibility for a majority of the population. I also read somewhere that Filipino Americans are actually less likely to utilize mental health services compared to other Asian Americans. That makes a lot of sense. Filipinos are known to be resilient and hardworking, which is probably why we mask a lot of things with humor or faith. And because of this, it's not hard to see the stigma when it comes to being vulnerable or asking for help. And it's not anyone's fault. I think we just learned to cope in a specific way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's also a big stereotype that Filipinos are always happy and hospitable, which I think is both a good thing and a bad thing. Lots of first-generation Filipino immigrants face a situation where they go to their parents looking for solace from stress, uh, from bad grades, and life being overwhelming in general. And instead of being met with a comfort that they crave, they often get hit with, You have it easy here in X first world country. 
or when I was a kid, I had to deal with so much more, or you don't know what hardship is like, it's all in your head. In other words, what they're trying to say is that we're just being babies or being ma'arte. It's a huge disconnect between parents and their children, since children, especially Filipino children, want approval from their parents. It makes them lose that awareness of their mental health, and it keeps them from learning to understand it. They take the idea of it's all in your head, and they use it to cope in an unhealthy way. And of course, not everybody shares this experience, and we'd love to hear what it was like for you growing up. So, something else that you mentioned earlier is the concept of praying it away. So, giving a little bit of history to our audience about the Philippines. Philippines was colonized several times. Our culture and people are influenced by many others, such as Chinese, Indo-Malay, and Spanish. And Spanish influence is prevalent in many aspects of our culture, particularly in our religion. I don't know many Filipinos who didn't grow up Roman Catholic. It's entrenched in our values as a nation, and people pride themselves in their faith. And it's no surprise that Filipinos will dismiss things like mental health and physical illness with the use of faith and prayer. There's lots of situations where if you even acknowledge your suffering, it's a sign that your faith is wavering. Like, your lola will tell you, go to church, confess your sins, pray, that's all you need. You don't need any therapist, you don't need drugs, you just need to strengthen your faith. And if you don't get better, there's something more evil at work, maybe a vengeful spirit or a demon, and it's never as simple as just your own mental well-being. And as someone who still practices her faith, I can tell you that's not how it works. When I was younger, I often used to be in a bad mood, and adults would always tell me that maybe I just wasn't praying enough, or maybe I missed church a couple of Sundays. And looking back on it now, it was probably just puberty or stress from school. I think that religion can play a role in mental health. Like, I think for some people, religion really helps them and it gives them a lot of comfort. But for people like me who is not particularly religious, I feel like it might be a little bit insensitive to say, just pray as if that'll solve everything. <laughs> yeah, no, I got that. I, yeah, I agree. Like, I do find comfort in my faith. Mm -hmm. It's almost as if praying is like, just a live journal in your head yeah you're like talking to in this case i'm talking to god saying like all my stresses and my struggles and it's like almost like you're talking to a therapist too that's sometimes how i view it yeah for sure so moving on let's talk about one of the biggest sources of stress in an asian household academics growing up in a typical asian household Academics overshadows everything because parents see it as a reflection of how successful you'll be in the future. Yeah, so often in school, teachers who have a strict teaching style are praised by our parents and other authority figures because leniency is seen as babying the students. It kind of translates into how mental health and stress are treated on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. I've had those strict teachers before when I was still in the Philippines. And I don't know why, but a lot of people do consider good teaching synonymous with being harsh. But in North America, I don't think this is the case. So growing up in a North American school system is quite different from growing up in the Philippines. I would often hear my parents comparing the two, saying how students have it so easy here compared to how it is back home. It always made me question my own intelligence. 
questioning if I had any or why I'm struggling with certain subjects if it's so easy here. It it really invalidated my own mental health struggles as well. So what do you think, Felisa? You've experienced the education system here and in the Philippines. Is it really that much easier here? In a way, yes. In terms of workload, there's just a huge difference. So here you would take four to five courses a semester, whereas in the Philippines, you'd be taking like 10 courses. There's just a lot more to do, and it's just a little bit more competitive. Everybody's always trying to compete when it comes to who has the higher score, you know, who's the smartest in the class, whereas here, I think people are a lot more focused on a more holistic education where you know there's extracurriculars Mm -hmm. there's different clubs that you can join oh yeah okay I can see that I remember my parents telling me that they would have a list on the board of everyone's rankings in Philippines and I, I find that so intimidating like I don't like that concept at all I feel like it fosters the culture of crab mentality and I think the heavy workload is also bad for a child's mental health because it teaches them that they don't have value when they're not productive so when I moved here I had a little bit more free time and I felt like that time was wasted if I wasn't spending it having extracurricular so I could apply to college or studying or taking an extra course having this focus on academics it really tarnishes your self-worth because you put your self-worth on your grades which is not the case You have so much worth even when you're not doing anything, which is a very important thing to remember. I like that. Younger me needed that. (laughs) Continuing with your own mental health, what has your personal experience with mental health been? I don't really have any diagnosed mental illnesses, but I do experience anxiety often, like a lot of people do, especially these days. Sometimes it takes over all of my mental space, but I have found that being open about it to my friends and my parents, it makes it a little bit less daunting to me because it kind of normalizes it. And by doing so, I have people around me who I can vent to and will show me empathy when I'm talking about how anxious I am or if I distance myself for an entire week, they'll understand. And you know, if they didn't know, they would probably be uncomfortable or confused. So personally, and I know not everyone is like this, being open about it has really helped me to cope, go through it. What about you? What has your experience been like? I have a little bit of a different experience. Um, Earlier in my life, I really didn't know what mental health was. So many of the scenarios that we spoke of earlier have actually been part of my experience. So I never really understood my emotions or my own mental well-being. Um, My family never welcomed conversations about it, and I wasn't really comfortable speaking about it, unless I wanted to be lectured by my parents, of course. Um, Yeah, so growing up, I had a lot to learn, and I had to learn to open up, because friends that I had made along the way did express their vulnerability to me. So from them, I was able to learn more about that side of myself and listening to how they spoke about their own emotions made me feel like I could too. And so I discovered that it is okay to talk about these things and you don't have to keep your emotions and all your struggles bottled up. 
And sometimes I do still catch myself using unhealthy coping mechanisms. Um, and I also don't have any diagnosed uh, mental illnesses, but I do also experience a lot of anxiety and depression episodes. But now I do have that awareness and support from my friends and my partner to help me when I experience those things. Yeah, and one thing I do find really interesting is the differences between our families when it comes to this topic. I know you mentioned this earlier. I like to think of it in the extreme, like either your family talks about your emotions and it's a healthy support system, or they avoid it at all costs. And I don't know if there's a spectrum of openness about mental health, but you can prove me wrong in the comments. Yeah, you mentioned this to me before, and I definitely notice it in other Asian families as well. So I feel like often Asian parents are cold and strict, but I don't think my parents are that strict. They've always been very open. And when I was younger, I would actually share a lot of the things I'm going through in school with them. So I think aside from culture, it also just depends on personal levels of comfort. Yeah, individual, individual learnings of how to talk about mental health. Yeah. Wait, I guess another thing we can add on is that I think for me, a huge part of why I'm so vulnerable is because I was exposed to the internet very early. Like I was on Tumblr when I was a teenager and there was such a like a good space for people to just share their feelings there. And I think that's kind of why I'm a little bit more open to talking about it. So I thought that was normal. The internet can be a good space. There's also a limit, like when you know you need help and it's time yeah. to go to experts. No, I agree. <laughs> I do agree. Like I a lot of my mental health learning early on started off of Tumblr too. So <laughs> Yeah. I like that evolution of being able to see like different technologies and see the conversations around mental health there. And like it being it kind of like spilling out into the real world into public spaces like you were saying like now it seems like a lot more people are comfortable with their own emotions i guess the traditional female has always been more in touch with their emotions and now we get to see like more male more more of every other gender being able to express their emotions out in the open. And it's nice. It's nice to see that kind of evolution. So to end this episode, what do you do to take care of your mental health? So I haven't been doing these lately because of COVID. Um, but exercising and journaling really helps me because it clears out my brain. I'm a huge overthinker. So it's nice to have a space in the day where... Um, I don't have to think about anything other than moving my body. And it's also nice to write my thoughts on paper because it helps me digest them. And similar to that, I think it's very important to have people in your life who will listen to your feelings without judgment. But I know it's a hard thing to do, especially because sometimes I don't want to feel like a burden to someone who might also be going through something. So check in with your people as well and ask if they have the mental space if you are about to share something quite heavy. And this is where therapy, I think, comes in, which is obviously not available to everyone, but 
it is valuable to have someone else that's completely neutral to your situation listen to you. Yeah, it's just like you have to be mindful. Mm-hmm. I really like that last point you made. I don't think that a lot of people consider um, the situations that others are facing before they divulge their own. So I think that's a really good thing to keep in mind. I have a lot to learn from you and from everybody else, I guess. Um, And I'm really bad for this because I prioritize other people's mental health and their needs over my own. And I think that's just how I grew up. But because of this, what I really like to do is take mental health days Because I'm introverted, it gives me a much-needed break from people and a busy schedule, and I can do anything I want. I can journal, listen to music, sing in the shower, I can nap, and occasionally have a really good cry session. I love crying sessions. Yeah, (laughs) it feels as rejuvenating as having done a workout sometimes. It's really weird. Apparently crying releases hormones in your brain that make you feel better really so it's science yeah like it's it's an actual thing i like that see science guys (laughs) um and yeah it it helps to be strategic about your mental health break so that you can reduce overthinking other responsibilities you're not currently doing Um, i make sure that my homework and all my readings are done ahead of time and that i have my favorite tea in stock and that all my chores are done and dealt with among other things But sometimes you can't plan for these things because mental health doesn't work around a schedule. So I take mental health hours or moments, depending on the situation and where I am. And something easy that I learned from Felisa, actually, is using lavender oil. So it's something small that you can take with you anywhere. I just dab a little bit on my hands and take deep breaths while trying to breathe in the scent. And it's not much, but it's helped me through a lot. So thank you for that, Felisa. Oh, you're welcome. Oh, I remember first year, we were so stressed all the time. (laughs) We literally smelled like lavender. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Again, we would like to put a disclaimer. We're not mental health experts. We're only here to share our own personal experiences. Because we want to be conscious of everybody's struggles, We have linked some mental health resources in our Instagram bio. And if you're comfortable sharing your story, we'd love to hear from you. So that's it for this week's episode of Cuentos. If you enjoyed this and want to hear more, subscribe to our podcast and follow us on social media at Cuentos Podcast. What has your experience been with mental health? And as two Filipinas, we can't really speak for different genders in our community. Are mental health conversations and experiences the same for you? Or is it different? And how so? I'm Felisa. And I'm Daphne. Thanks for the cuentos.